I want you to go with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Isn't it encouraging when someone tells you that they're praying for you? Isn't that encouraging? Somebody says, I'm, I'm praying for you. They know about your needs. They know about a concern you might have. And they, and they say, I'm, pr- I'm praying for you. Or even when they, even better, when they stop and say, can I pray for you right now? <laughs> That's a good idea too. Now what an encouragement that is. I've had individuals tell me that they're praying for me. I've had individuals stop and pray with me, and that, and that is a huge encouragement. It's a wonderful blessing. It's a, it's a great encouragement to know that, that many of you are praying for me, and I can, I can attest to, to what a great encouragement that that is. It's encouraging when you're facing hardship or difficulty to know that people are praying for you and they care deeply about you enough to take your, your needs and concerns to their Heavenly Father in prayer. Did you know, as encouraging as that is to know that others pray for you, did you know that if you're a child of God, that your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Himself prays for you? He intercedes for you even even now? I want you to think about what's going on in your life right now, and you know that better than anyone else, of course. You know your needs better than any of us. You realize that your Lord and Savior, if you're His child, He intercedes for you over those matters, even now. I have to tell you that as I think about that, as encouraging it is to know that some of you pray for me regularly, and as encouraging it is to know that my wife prays for me, and as encouraging it is to know that my my parents pray for me, that's precious. I have to say that as I read this passage and studied the passage before us this morning, that I I became overwhelmed at, at the power and the wonder and the amazement that was mine and the encouragement that was mine to know that Jesus intercedes for me. It's one thing to have those who are dear to you on earth pray for you, but it's it's another thing to know that Jesus cares about your needs, and intercedes for you. I want you to go with me to John chapter 17. I want you to look with me at verses 9 and 10. When I think of the implications of the truth seen in this passage that we're looking at today, it it overwhelms me in a way, and I hope that you too will be overwhelmed with the truths here. The implications of the truths here are, are wonderful. Just listen to verses 9 and 10 when Jesus says, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Two short verses, but wonderful truths they hold for us. As As we've seen here in John chapter 17, Jesus' prayer for himself was very forward-looking. He was looking ahead to the cross where he would very soon suffer. And and as he looked ahead, he saw victory there. And so I call this a joyful and forward-looking prayer of Jesus because he sees only victory. He doesn't see defeat at the cross. He sees by his obedience the victory that will be his and the victory that will be ours as he obeys the Father 
and he takes on himself the punishment for our sins, and then being raised from the dead on the third day, there's victory there. And he looks forward to that, and he he prays for himself very briefly at the beginning of chapter 17. He looked ahead to all that, and he saw victory over Satan and sin and death, and he saw the fulfillment of the work that the Father had given him to do. But his prayer for himself was very brief. Have you noticed that? If you've looked at chapter 17, you see, you know, this is the longest prayer of Jesus that we have recorded in the Bible. It's all of chapter 17. The the part about himself is very short. It's very brief in comparison to his prayer for the disciples. As we noted last time, Jesus moves from praying about what lie ahead for him to beginning in verse 6, praying for the disciples and what lie ahead for them. And the prayer that we see here is specifically about the 11 disciples, but the principles of what Jesus prays for them really apply to all believers. This prayer specifically for the disciples and for their their concerns in the the immediate and near future, but, but really what Jesus is praying about for them applies to all of those who name the name of Christ, to all of those who are followers of Christ. As we look at verses 9 and 10, what we find here, I think, will bring a great deal of encouragement to us as we live our lives today for God's glory, knowing how Jesus intercedes for us and why he intercedes for us. I want you to note, first of all, that Jesus makes the distinction here about whom he is praying for. Do you see it? Look at verse 9 again. Earlier he had been saying as he prayed that he had revealed the Father to the disciples. He had made God known to them, and they had received the words that he had given to them, and and they had believed in those words, and they had come to know the truth. And then in verse 9 he says he is praying for them. He marks out here whom he is praying for. Verse 9 says, I am praying for them. We're given, I think what we see here, an early glimpse of Jesus' intercessory ministry, which he carries on even now for all who believe in him. We know according to Romans 8.34 that Jesus is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us. Praise God, right? And Jesus distinguishes here that he is praying for his own. He's praying for them. He goes on and says in verse 9, I'm not praying for the world. We know specifically that he's praying for his disciples, and in relation to them are all of his disciples. If you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can know this is about you. I'm praying for them. I am not praying, verse 9, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So it's clear, I think, that Jesus obviously isn't praying for the world here, but it's not to say he never prays for the world. Okay, don't, don't take this and think, well, Jesus never prays for the world. No, it's not, that's not true. It's just not, not true here. He's not praying for the world here. He's praying for his disciples. We, we know this isn't to say that Jesus doesn't pray for or have a concern for those who are still in the world. When we think of being in the world, we think of being trapped in sin and in the darkness of sin and not having trusted in Lord Jesus Christ still in the world. 
And we know from John 3.16 that God so loved the world that He sent His Son, right? We know that God has a concern for the world and we know that Jesus has a concern for the world. That's why He came to, to suffer and die. So this is not to suggest that the Lord only cares for His own, only cares for His own, but it's obvious here that the Lord cares for His own in a very special way. Do you realize that? Think of it. We're going to see it here. In a couple of verses, Jesus is going to pray to the Father these words, keep them in your name. Keep them. He's praying about His disciples. You know, this is what Jesus prays and intercedes to the Father on our behalf. Keep them in your name. We're also going to see a little later where we're going to hear Him pray that the Father not take them out of the world because He wants them to be in the world to do the work that He has for them, but He wants the Father to keep them from the evil one. And you need to be kept from the evil one, and so do I, right? And then in a few more verses, He will pray not only for the disciples, but also for those who will believe because they proclaim the gospel through their word. And then in verse 23, He will pray that they become one, that they become unified as followers of Christ. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. He cares about the world, right? He cares about unbelievers, but he's praying for those who are his, those whom the Father has given him because they are dear to him. So yes, Jesus cares for His own in a very special way. And what He prays for them here is that ultimately the world will know that Jesus was sent by God the Father and that they might know His deep love for them themselves. So Jesus isn't praying for the world here, but it is for the benefit of those who are still in the world that He prays. you realize that? It's for their benefit that He prays for those who are His. Now just think of that. If you're a child of God, this applies to you. Just as Christ prayed here for His disciples, He intercedes now for you at the right hand of the Father. He cares about you. He is concerned about your needs. He knows about your troubles. And He intercedes on your behalf to the Father. But He also does so for the sake of those who are still in the world. And note why Jesus prays especially for those who have believed in Him. Verse 9 tells us that Christ prays for those whom the Father has given Him. Because they are the Father's. You see, if you're God's child, then Christ intercedes for you because you are precious to the Father. Jesus died because you're precious to the Father. Christ intercedes for you if you are a follower of His because you are precious to the Father and God the Son to whom you have been given. And He considers you as precious. He cares deeply for you because you are the Father's. For example, and I almost wonder if I shouldn't give this example because it there's no way that this compares. This is going to be a very weak comparison, okay? So bear with me. 
It's kind of like when your friend gets a new car and he says, drive it. And you go, oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. I don't need to drive it. Uh, It looks nice. But he said, no, no, drive it. I want you to take it. Drive it. What what do you want? You want to des- you desperately want to bring that thing back without a scratch, right? You desperately want to be really careful with it, right? You're careful with it. You try getting familiar with the car and all the controls before you leave the driveway, right? And you're nervous. You're a little concerned because you can't afford that thing, right? You you. It's precious to you because it's precious to your friend, right? I told you that was a weak illustration, but but you kind of understand where we're coming from. Have you ever had that? How about a newborn baby? Not your baby. A friend's. And they hold my baby. And you go, oh, no, that's okay. Or if you're a guy, you go, no, that's all right. I don't need to hold your baby. If you're a girl, you go, yeah, yeah, give it to me. The ladies want to hold the baby. Guys are like, I'm afraid I'll, you know, like touchdown or something. I don't know. Right? But if you get the baby and you hold the baby, you're really careful with the baby, even though it's not yours because it's your friend's baby, right? Listen, you are precious to the Savior because you are the Father's. The Son cares for you because you are the Father's possession. And because this is true, There's great encouragement for us here to know that God is pleased to answer all that the Son prays for on our behalf. So you can be confident that the intercessions of Christ on your behalf will be answered. Why? Because you're the Father's. And that's clear in verse 10. Jesus says, all mine are yours. God the Father hears and answers the intercession of God the Son because those for whom He intercedes are the Father's own precious possession. And there is such unity between the Father and the Son that there is nothing that the Father possesses that the Son does not. And there is nothing that the Son possesses that the Father does not. But I want you to note also that there's There's nothing here that indicates that the Father answers the prayer of the Son because of what those who are His possession do or do not do. Not because of what they do or not because of what they've done. No, the Father answers the prayer of the Son for the saints because the saints are His very own possession. And yes, there's a special communion that we see going on here between the Father and the Son. In some ways, it's far beyond our comprehension. All that the Father possesses are the Son's. All the Son possesses are the Father's. And verse 10 says, and yours are mine. Yours are mine. All that the Father possesses are the Son's because there is a very special relationship, a very special communion between the Father and the Son. So Jesus can say, and yours are mine. So as God's child, you are precious to the Father and you are precious to the Son. Speaking of this special bond and communion between the Father and the Son, Charles Spurgeon says that that we learn here 
that we're treasured by God. He says, Now what does this say to me but that the Father and the Son greatly value believers? What people talk about when they are alone, not what they say in the market, not what they talk of in the midst of the confused mob, but what they say when they are in private, that lays bare their heart. Here's the Son speaking to the Father, not about thrones and royalties, nor cherubim and seraphim, but about poor men and women, in those days mostly fishermen and peasant folk, who believed in him. That's a great, that's a great insight. When Jesus talks to the Father, what does he talk about? He talks about you. If you're his child, he's talking to the Father about you. That's where his heart is. That's what he's concerned about. How does Jesus talk to the Father? And what does he talk to the Father about? He, he talks about God's children. He talks about those who are his. He talks about those who have believed in him. So when Jesus says, and yours are mine, you can know you are precious in the Father's sight. And you are precious to the Son as well. Are you a child of God? You're precious to your heavenly Father. You are precious to God the Son. God holds you dear. And the Son intercedes for you. And you can rest assured that the Father answers the Son's intercession on your behalf. But that's not the only encouraging word here. That's not the only encouragement and the only comfort here. Jesus also says in verse 10, it sounds so simple when he says, and I am glorified in them, but think of the implications, and I am glorified in them. How is it that Christ is glorified in the children of God? Well, for one, Christ is glorified in those who trust in him, right? When sinners repent of their sin and believe in Jesus Christ for salvation and forgiveness of sins, Christ is glorified by that. Because they're gods. And because they're gods, God keeps them. Think of that. When a sinner repents and becomes a believer, God now keeps them. You see, the Son will very shortly in the account before us go to the cross and will do so out of obedience to the Father and because He loves, loves us. And he will bear the punishment for the sins of many. And it is this finished work of Christ at Calvary that once and for all pays the penalty for the sins of those who trust in him. Once and for all. And those who trust in Christ because of this are kept by God. Because of the finished work of Christ. And this glorifies the Son. See, all true believers will be kept by God. You will not be lost by the Father. He will not lose you out of His hand. You won't slip through His fingers in any way. You will be kept by God because of the finished work of Christ on your behalf. 
You see, believers will prevail to the end and are victorious with Christ, not because of their own strength and not because of any goodness on their part and not because of their own wisdom or righteousness, but believers will prevail because Christ prevails. Believers will prevail because Jesus has paid the price for their sin and because Jesus intercedes for them and because the Father answers the intercession of the Son and all of this because the believer is treasured by God the Father and the Son. Remarkable. If you're God's child, you can rest assured. You can be confident. You can take great joy and comfort in this truth that you are kept by God because of the finished work of Christ. You are not kept by your obedience, although God wants you to obey. You are not kept by your own good works, although God wants you to work good works. In other words, obedience, right? You are not kept because of your own righteousness. You are kept because of the righteousness of Christ on your behalf. And it's because of this righteousness. It's because the Son honored the Father that you are assured that as the Son intercedes for you, the Father answers. I shared with you earlier a passage from Romans 8. But I want you to listen now as I share with you the context and the surrounding verses. This is so encouraging and it fits so well with the truths that we that we see in our passage and the implications of the truths that we see here. Romans 8 and verses 31 through 38. Just listen to these wonderful words in Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In other words, all those things that we need. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're God's child, That's about you. 
and just as our passage in John is about you. And Christ intercedes for all who are his, not some of those who are his, not just those who we think are the super saints. Oh, Christ is interceding for them, but probably not me. Not true. He prays for all those who are his. He intercedes for all those who are his at the right hand of the Father, and they are precious to him because they are precious to the Father. 